Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. You know, we always think of time as this eternal construct, but it's a bit more loosey-goosey than we tend to realize. And you know, uh, if you're within the sound of my voice, that must mean you're in the seats with once more. As always, my name is Dave Voigt, and I'm the host of this podcast, where we sit down with a wide-ranging variety of entertainment industry professionals and we pick their brain about current projects, state of the industry, how they got started, and so very much more, in a light and in a conversational fashion. And you know, if you like how we do things around here, I'm going to go out on a limb and assume that you do, because let's face it, you're listening right now. And if you are, subscribe. Hit that subscribe button. Give us the old five-star rating on your podcast provider of choice. We're available pretty much everywhere. Places like Apple, Amazon, Spotify, Google. And plus, we archive every single one of our episodes over at our In The Seats YouTube channel. So if you can give us a like and subscribe there as well, we'd absolutely appreciate it. Also, don't hesitate to check us out on social media. We're on the Facebook, the Twitter, the Instagram, the Letterbox, the TikTok, and probably a few other places too, at In The Seats for all sorts of fun updates. And finally, and I do dare say most importantly, please pay us a visit over at In The Seats, intheseats.ca, for all the latest and greatest from the world of film, television, uh, basically the moving image at large, because guess what? If we love to watch it and write about it and talk about it, we love it even more when you come by and uh, read about it and listen about it. So do us that kindness and pay us a visit. On this episode, we have another fun one, another little bit of Canadiana, which is in theaters now. It's called Relax. I'm from the future, and it's about a man from the future now trapped in the past, who's trying to make a life for himself, oblivious to the consequences that he has set in motion. It is hilarious, and it's from writer-director Luke Higginson, and it stars the one and only Reese Darby uh, as uh, our man from the future, and there's people like uh, Gabrielle Graham, Julian Richlings, a lot of other fantastic, talented people telling this story. Uh, like I said, it is, in, it is in limited theatrical release now. Uh, I'm sure it's coming to VOD pretty soon. But uh, first off, enjoy our talk with uh, Luke because uh, we got into the, the nitty-gritty of uh, the origins of the story and so very, very much more. Yeah. Just to kick this off officially, obviously, thank you so much for the time today and just congratulations on the film as always, man. You know. Thank you so much. Uh, it's great to see you again. Thank you again for moderating our premiere. That was oh, really fun. Well, happy to do it, man. Always. No, I mean, uh, for those who don't know who are listening, I mean, this is uh, this is this is sci-fi kind of the way I like it. It's one of the ways I like it. It's it's hilarious and it's not taking itself a little too seriously. Like, walk me through mm-hmm. the origin of of this story because I mean, it was a short and then years and it's become a feature, right? So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was a short I made in 2013 uh, that was literally just a five minute sort of goof I made with uh, some very talented friends of mine, sort of a few thousand bucks out of my pocket on a rooftop uh, about a time traveler who didn't have a plan, who wasn't here for any particular reason and was just trying to sort of fill his time. And That was just a funny idea to me. And uh, the short did better than I expected and people liked it. And uh, I got asked about expanding it and I had to sort of figure out what that would look like uh, and what it ended up looking like was a way for me to sort of filter all my fears and anxieties about the future through and uh, uh, try to try to make myself laugh a little bit and uh, uh, find my way out of uh, uh, a couple of pits of despair. 
<laughs> well, no, it's it's the creative process for sure. But yeah, I, yeah. I, I've got to imagine that sort of the the expansion of it all like was helped a lot when you were sort of bouncing back the idea of who do we get to play the lead and i mean i'm sure like we you know mm-hmm. somebody like reese darby and then someone i'm sure somebody in the room said well why don't you just ask reese darby <laughs> yeah i it was it was uh, uh it was incredible it just I, I still cannot believe our luck that we got him it was amazing and uh yeah it, it was it was not written specifically for him but it was written for someone who needed to be incredibly likable, incredibly charismatic and had this sort of natural energy because, you know, the character does some things and goes to some places that are a little morally questionable and you have to sort of be there with him, uh, uh, at least for the most part, and you have to like him. And when Reese's name came up, it was, it was such a, a moment of like, Oh my God, that would be perfect. We'll never get that uh, guy. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no, it it and and just I still remember uh, what an amazing phone call it was to. Um, uh, I mean, eventually when I talked to Reese as well, but even just the very first one, I got a call from my producer who told me that uh, Reese's manager liked the script and said that it, he thought that it he thought that it felt like it was written for him, and that was sort of a really like exciting moment uh, because we it wasn't, but we agreed that as soon as his name came up, we like just started reading the script to each other in his voice in our heads. And like, it was just, it just clicked. It just made sense. And so I really think that was, uh, there was something special about that. It was just, it was kind of magical. Well, um, for sure. Man. And then when, yeah. Um, no, but I mean, it just leads into sort of the ensemble that you have as well, because I mean, not only did, did you get Reese to obviously play Casper, but like Gabrielle, uh, Julian, Janine, you've got such a loaded ensemble here. Like talk to me a little bit about your casting process to find the right people. Like was Reese the last? Absolutely. Or did you have the cast and then Reese or was it Reese? And then you have to go find other people. He kind of came in the middle. Interestingly. Uh, yeah. the ca- I got incredibly lucky with my cast. I'm so, so grateful, but yeah, it, it was funny. Actually, we kind of got each member of the core cast in a different way um so the first person that i cast actually was gabby was gabrielle graham uh who uh i i sort of was very early looking at looking around for potential uh people who could play holly and uh i saw her in the movie possessor uh by brandon cronenberg she's in the first 10 minutes of that film and she's incredible in that movie and she just pops on screen and she's actually playing a character named holly in that movie and i sort of took that as a sign and I, i i reached out to her and it immediately became clear within like a few minutes of talking to her that she was right uh, for the role. And so she was, she was the first person and that, that I reached out to her directly for that. Um, Julian uh, Richings I've been a fan of for, for since seeing hardcore logo in high school. And I, I literally recorded a video of myself begging him to be in the movie and uh, sent it to him. And uh, he, he came on board and he's, he's been a dream to work with. Uh, uh, Reese came on around the same time and I've, I've sort of described that I, I got on a call with him uh, after his manager had passed in the script. I was expecting to sort of have to do a huge pitch to him, uh, convincing him to do this tiny movie that, that, that he that it was in his interest to do so. And I had all these arguments lined up. And then as soon as he came on screen, uh, uh, he was just like, so are you OK with me doing this? And it was just he he, he was just so uh 
generous and and uh, uh, open and uh, just incredible. I just so just I still I still can't believe how great that was. And then uh, for Janine, who plays Doris, was the only one of the key cast that we just watched a bunch of video auditions for. Like we just sort of had a ton of people send in tapes and. What was amazing about Janine was that so many of the people sent in, uh, who sent in their videos, even ones who were good actors, like very strong actors, fundamentally didn't understand the comedic nature of the character. Like there were so many people who sort of delivered these absurd monologues she has as if they were on like a cop show. And it was so interesting to see how Janine was one of the few who just immediately understood what the character was and what the tone was and it just like she just popped on the screen immediately i was like oh this is different this person actually understands uh what this is and that that was really cool um and then finally uh zachary bennett who plays chuck in the movie is uh, an old friend of mine and actually played casper in the short film in 2013 That's so cool. yeah all of those all of those i just had to have him in the movie and all of those roles it's so fun to me how they they each came together from a completely different place uh but i'm i'm so proud and happy to to have them all in the film no i mean i've got to ask because you've got so many talented people on this like where are you a director who's sort of very precious to the words on the page or do you give your actors a little bit of rope because i mean i'm just i'm just thinking of the rooftop with reese and julian i've got to imagine there was a temptation to just let them riff <laughs> for sure well i mean you I think you would be a fool to cast Reese Darby and not be open to him riffing like that. That would be uh, stupid. Um, and uh, we no. as soon as he was going to be on board, I, I knew that I would be uh, I would be open to anything that he that he wanted to give me. And, um, you know, it is helpful that I'm I'm an editor. I've been an editor my whole career and I was going to be editing this film. And so I definitely was thinking about the edit while we shot and about and while Reese came up with stuff. And sometimes the, it definitely happened sometimes that Reese would uh, come up with a great joke or a great line that didn't fit the moment that didn't sort of like broke the character a little bit. Uh, and so those you have to you have to leave out. Uh, but most of the time, he just was in lockstep with the character and then also just coming up with these like great singers and uh it, it uh it's magical to watch him watch him cook and so yeah no that that was i'm extremely open to that i am precious about the script only in that um the ideas of the script are very important to me and the sort of the the tone of the film was very important to me and so as long as we were on the on the rails of where we needed to go i was i was very happy to let to let uh my incredibly talented actors do do their thing just sort of like go where they needed to go yeah. but i mean there's something about the detail in this film as well i mean from his purple jumpsuit to to having a vhs collection in the basement it's like there's something that about like about it that just really seems very precious and so sort of character orientated especially for for people who are really watching and really picking up like how important was it for you to give audiences something that was uh, basically had a lot of stuff in it because this definitely felt like <laughs> a guy who wanted stuff i i i like stuff and i like movies with a lot of stuff in them uh i i it was very important to me i mean like uh uh first of all sort of 
character wise, I always liked the idea of a time traveler as a sort of retro fetishist, as someone who was had this nostalgic obsession with our time. Uh, sort of a, a, an idea that I, I've, I've always been fond of. And so that was very much baked into the film. Uh, but as you're saying, I, I just, I like movies that have all this stuff that you sort of can choose not to pay attention to if you want, but if you sort of are like watching, watching in the corners of what's going on, it you, you pick up these you know? little details. It does. Exactly. Yeah. I'm, I've always been a big fan of that. And so I, I've tried to put it in my film wherever I can. And I mean, it's one of those things, like I said, I mean, just with, with, with the jumpsuit and I mean, with Gabby in the jacket, there is such a sense of, of style as well. It definitely felt like you didn't want to play on any sort of standard sci-fi tropes, but at the same time, not sort of have it like everyone had to look distinct. Yes. If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, I, that's actually something that I really uh, it's something that I like when movies do, but it's something that I, I really took from. I mean, I've, I've been a comic book reader for years and I, I love that sort of thing that good comic books do well of just this sort of. Yeah, they, they make their character designs iconic, like they make it so like it's so important for a character to have a look that makes them different from everyone else. And that is uh, a thing I've always strived for. Like, I, I mean, a great example is in film is, is like uh, sorry to bother you. The boots Riley film, like just yeah, totally. that, like oh my God, yeah. that, that, that look that like Stanfield has with the head bandage, with the perfectly placed wound and the sort of the, the specific get up. Like it's just, you, you can almost see, you can see his silhouette and like get, what character it is. And that's, uh, that's something I've always loved. And um, uh, that's something I strive for, for sure with the characters. I also want to shout out um, my, uh, my, my costume team, uh, Carol McDonald specifically made the, the future suits uh, and uh, uh, she did an amazing job. And then uh, uh, Estee and Felicia Mancini uh, made uh, the Holly's jacket and uh, the, the other wardrobe pieces. And they just really, uh, they knocked it out of the park. They were really good. Well, and I mean, I appreciate even like, you know, like the windbreaker, like he's wearing on the, mm. on the roof, you know, that kind of thing. It's, it's one, it's, it's something that doesn't necessarily get appreciated, but I mean, allowing these characters to have that extra pop really makes them sort of that much more memorable, at least for, for me as a, my perspective as a viewer. Yeah, I love that was very intentional. And actually, that's something we we talked about a lot, both in the the pre-production sort of costume design, production design stage, and then also in color correction. Like it was always designed that like the world itself is like a little dull and a little gray, but our characters are very colorful and will kind of almost pop off the background. And that's sort of a, a, a thing that we really pursued uh, making the film. And I mean, something else I've got to ask you about, because I mean, obviously, Canadian independent production, you're working on a budget. You had a lot mm-hmm. of locations, man. I mean, I got to <laughs> ask about like actually finding a place to build and turn into a bunker. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the uh, uh, my my incredible uh, uh, first AD, uh, Jeremy Doran, uh, the first thing he said when uh, he he talked, he had read the script and he talked to me about it. He was like, Sure, well, a lot of locations for a movie your budget. He was very sort of immediately concerned about that. And he did an amazing job scheduling it so we could actually get everything uh, shot. But yeah, um, uh, we do. We, it's, it's, it's 
quite ambitious for the budget level in terms of what we're trying to do. Uh, but, uh, you know, I like, I like films that do that. I like films that sort of like, uh, uh are ambitious for, for what they're trying to achieve with what they have. And, uh, uh you know, it's something they, I get, they, they get the bang for, for their buck as it were. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> now, no, I mean, just there's a, when watching this film i mean there's such joy in it i mean i'm kind of curious because obviously you're the guy on set you're you're kind of leading the team how do you sort of keep the energy up but also sort of keep everyone on point as well because at the same time you're working with people that you know some of them are your friends some of them you're developing relationships mm -hmm. with sometimes you, you want to let reese and julian riff for an hour straight but you can't <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I the the short answer is I'm I'm just incredibly lucky that I had amazing people around. Like the my crew was unbelievable, my my cast was unbelievable. Um, but you know, I I yes, that is part of the job is sort of keep make sure you're not wasting everyone's time. I think it's really maybe the most important thing for a director is to know what you want and know when you've got it. Uh, and maybe I didn't succeed 100% of the time on that, but I think I'm pretty good at that. And I think I'm pretty good at not losing my shit and about uh, sort of rolling with the punches, which is, I think, uh, uh, an essential skill in indie filmmaking. And, you know, you just do your best to, to yeah, keep everything, keep everything positive, keep everything rolling. And again, you know, you can only do it when you're surrounded by good people which is sure. what i was very lucky to be sure yeah now i mean just to start putting a bow on this it's a dumb question but it's one i always like to ask think back to, mm -hmm. to young luke was uh was there a movie mm -hmm. or a moment in your life that had the light bulb go off in your head and went shit i want to do this i want to be a storyteller yeah um i'll give two i mean it's it's i feel like it's almost like a little corny you can say, say star this, wars it's like, fine i, I mean <laughs> Oh, I mean, Star Wars is a part of me for sure. Uh, <laughs> but for whatever reason, for whatever reason, uh, seeing the Shawshank Redemption at the age of like, I think like 10 or 11 or something. Okay. For some reason, I was right. I was right at the correct age to, for the first time, really understand that people were behind the scenes making that film. And there was something that clicked for me with that movie specifically where I was just like, oh, this works because all these different people were doing their jobs at the same time and it came together. And it's like, I, I think there's very little direct influence on my work from that film, but like I do, re I just so clearly remember that light bulb going off. It's like, oh, this is like a bunch of people doing their jobs and it makes this thing. And uh, uh, that was that was sort of a key moment for me. Uh, but I in relation to this film, another very early one was I don't remember the first time I saw Back to the Future, but I do remember the first time I saw Back to the Future Part Two. OK. And right. specifically when Marty goes back and sees himself in the first movie was like one of those real like. <sighs> moments for me as, as, like, as a kid like I was just like you can you can do that like that like just absolutely blew my mind and there, there's you know there, there's a, a, a direct reference to that in the film but like totally, it, yeah. it's that that is a I mean I, I love that movie so much and uh, I mean it's sort of the 
the the gold standard of time travel movies, but there's certainly time travel comedies. But uh, that that really was a like I have such a clear crystal memory of seeing that and and it opening uh, uh, my perception of what you could do in a movie. No, but you know what? I mean, I love both those answers, and especially Shawshank because I mean, mm. if you remember back in the day, I mean that movie like on paper shouldn't have been as epic as it was Mm -hmm. and it was such an example of how you can do something really big with not necessarily sort of big resources and i mean i definitely think relax Mm -hmm. i'm from the future kind of qualifies there because this really was it was timing it was boom and it looked like a million bucks but again it's a canadian movie without a lot of money so God bless them. They did a fantastic job. And I mean, that's just speaks to you and it speaks to the team that you had as well. But I mean, Luke, I cannot wait for more people to see this. But again, just thank you for the time today. And congrats on the movie, man. Keep up the good work. Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate it. This was this was great. And uh, yeah, thank you so much. All righty. All right. Talk to you soon, man. And don't forget to, to visit our friends over at Bay Street Video for all your DVD, Blu-ray rental or purchasing needs this summer as they are still open for curbside and some mailing delivery as well. Over at 1172 Bay Street, Toronto, Ontario, Canada, you can give them a call at 416-964-9088. That's 416-964-9088. Or send them an email at baystreetvideoto at gmail.com for any of your DVD and Blu-ray needs.